0: Hey guys, welcome to the Messy Table, an ordinary space for real women, imperfect stories, and the God who's constantly at work in our mess. I'm Jen Jewel, the host of this podcast which airs every other Tuesday, and we're also partnered with my church, Life Church and our sisters' ministry. Each and every conversation that takes place at this table contains a blend of the good stuff, the hard stuff, and the messy stuff in between because as you know, life is definitely a mixture. So all throughout the Bible, we're warned against allowing the stuff of this world to take God's place and priority in our hearts. Now, generally speaking, the things around us are pretty neutral. Music, houses, food, jobs, Netflix, vacations, technology, exercise, money, even relationships. They're neutral in a sense that we have the power to use them for good or for not so good. They can be used as a resource to help us and others grow and thrive, or they can be abused and a toxic catalyst for tearing down, not building up. Now, this isn't about me spouting off some list of what not to do. This is about us all pausing long enough to ask ourselves just what we're allowing, and if those things are beneficial for us, the way God designed, and do they bring glory to Him? First Corinthians 7.23 says, God paid a high price for you, so don't be enslaved by the world. Often, we think we have control of something when it really has control of us. And God begs us not to be enslaved. Don't be held captive when Jesus's sacrifice has already set you free. This isn't just about following rules. In the same way, we don't want our kids to simply obey for the sake of obeying. We want to teach them what's right and best so that they might thrive because we love them. We tell them not to run out into traffic and teach them what it looks like to eat healthy and how to set reasonable boundaries in relationships. This isn't to hurt them, but to help them live a full and meaningful life. Well, today, my guest and friend Jess Pinnock is sharing about a surprising area that was holding her captive, food. But God was calling her to walk in freedom, something she already had in him. Jess is a wife, a working mama with two young boys, and on the Uversion team at Life Church. As you listen to her powerful story and words, I challenge you to plug your own issue into that blank space of what's keeping you from thriving. Maybe it's social media or sugar or people pleasing or excessive shopping or alcohol or an obsession with perfection or something else. What exactly is stunting your ability to thrive? What has its chains wrapped around you, a temple of the Holy Spirit? Whatever it is, the great news is Christ has the ability to transform everything about us, starting on the inside. Nothing is too big or too small as we begin to press in and surrender everything to Him. Hey, Jess. Hey. I am so glad you're here today. Welcome to the messy table. Well, hey, I feel so welcomed already. So, okay, well, we want to know all about you, um, but for time's sake, give us kind of the highlight reel into your life.
1: Yeah, I'm Jess Penick. Uh I am just living in that 30s life, right? <laughs> I'm 32. And feeling 32. You know how like Taylor Swift had that song, like, I I don't know about you, but I'm feeling 22. Like, (laughs) I I get that, but like add 10 years.
0: We should remake
1: that song. Right, right. And it would talk about um, like random aches when the weather changes. (laughs) Yes.
0: And how it feels so good to come home, put on your sweatpants and just random
1: things like that. A good nap. That's fun. (laughs) That's fun. Everything that used to be discipline is now a total gift. Like yes. isolation, thank you, Right. nap time, <laughs> right? There's so many things that like, you know, time obviously just brings a whole new level
0: of perspective. It does. So, and when you have kids like you do, Derek and I always say anytime that we get a few days away by ourselves, it's funny how our goals are like sleep in, eat a long <laughs> meal, you know, have a long conversation without being interrupted, just right. all those really boring things.
1: And you realize that like those are like living, right? Like they're not, it's less about... The flashy and more about the substance, you know, right. the substance. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, 32, um, I am married to Luke Pinnock and he is what I call him a mountain man. <laughs> he loves hiking and um, has a beard and builds things out of wood and he's <laughs> <Builds things>. um, <laughs> my total and uh, complete opposite and completes me. I have two little boys, Eli is uh, just about to turn two, he's had, let's see, uh, I call him my panda, he's had about um, five head injuries so far, yep, and he is a cuddler, happy, just a really happy panda, Hmm. he's fun,
0: funny. We've done the head injuries here, too, so yes, I'm with you. Yes,
1: yes. I don't know why. I think there's like a little bit of a magnet like, <sighs> in his head to the floor. It's not. It's more than gravity. It's it's <laughs> more than gravity, you know? Um, uh, there's a magnetic field right there. Yes, yes. And then Dax is three, and he's my diplomat. He uh, really has an account for everyone else's good and bad days, I don't just hear, like, how his day was. I hear about all of his friends at school and how their days were, you know. That's Um, great. He negotiates. (laughs) (laughs) So you can have this or this, and he always picks that, that other thing that wasn't an option. Um, So when you
0: parent him, um, have you learned to give him options? Like, does that help you?
1: Yes. Uh, I mean, it, it eventually, you know, results in a third option that we've negotiated upon. <laughs> so they <thinking> give <laughs> two options. It's always like, I didn't even know that that was another option available, Dax. And you know what? You've convinced me. It's OK. That number three. I didn't even know that that was a door to, to open. If they right. can convince you, I think that's worth
0: listening to.
1: Right. So, yeah. So that's why I call them a diplomat. So those those are my men. Uh, they keep us on our toes. If somebody asks me in five years what this season of life was like, you know, when did so-and-so potty train or I'm going to be honest with you, I really feel like I would have blocked it out of my mind by then. Just this whole season, it's just wonderful and wonderfully hard. That's a good way to put it. Wonderfully hard.
0: I can totally agree with that. (laughs) Uh,
1: Let's see. I really love, I love we were saying this earlier, I love a good nap. Yep. And you know, now that I'm, and I, I'd i be honest with you, I've always been a pretty big fan of uh, Disney music. Yeah. But now that I have kids, I can justify listening to those playlists on those streaming sites. <laughs> Absolutely. So I love when one of my childhood songs from like one of those one of those Disney shows those Disney movies that I watched when I was a kid hearing one of those songs come on to that streaming site it like ignites There's something inside of you that just yeah I come alive Jen I'll I come, come alive.
0: alive I really Which do song is it for you
1: okay it is um when Ariel talks about a, a whole new world I'm like I am with you Ariel Wait, I really are a part of your world. When Ariel, oh, okay,
0: I'm with you. I was like, I thought a whole new world was Jasmine, but I'm with you. Yep, yep. See, they're all blending together now.
1: 32. <laughs> that's a 32 thing. That's a, that's a memory thing.
0: But Ariel does talk about wanting to be a part of your that's you world. world. That song.
1: Um, no, when Ariel, when Ariel starts talking about um, her gizmos and gadgets aplenty, <laughs> I'm like with you, sis. I am so with you. So I would say if I could make a best friend out of a Disney character, Ariel, she's my girl. It would be her. Yep. Yeah. And
0: you know, how fun to just wear seashells all the time. And that be your wardrobe. Yes. And, and have flowing locks of red hair that as soon as you get out of the water, it looks perfect. It's already perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every Disney like, princess.
1: Like who? You're winning every day
0: you know yeah. like you'll never be rattled by a bad hair day now i oh, will that. say pocahontas paint with Ooh. all the colors of the wind that was a good yes. one yes it was so deep right? it was i
1: liked it it was yeah. so deep like who's the who's i take care of our planet i feel like i'm doing all right you know i feel like i like i i get i get it pocahontas i get it i get you i get
0: you Okay, so that's so, something you love. Do you have any pet peeves or things that
1: just really mm, irk you? Yeah, yeah, so many. I feel like if, <laughs> so I, if I could <laughs> – I'm embarrassed at how many of them. So I have a pet peeve that I have so many pet peeves, you know. Um, but but <laughs> yeah, that's, I would That's say, another
0: issue. I don't know what to tell you.
1: I would say probably uh, waiting. Hmm. So like stoplights, uh, when somebody – I, I'm I'm not an aggressive driver, and I'm I'm not an like a like an uh, an angry driver. But the speed limit indicates to me the minimum of how fast you should be going. So if it's right. forty five, I'm gonna need you to not to see not it go as the 44. limit. Yeah, I mm-hmm. need you to see it as the goal. The goal is to go that right. So to me, I think slow drivers or drivers that are inconsiderate of everybody else that's driving, I would say is right. like the thing that I get. And Jen, my commute to the office is exactly one mile. I don't even make <laughs> it through a song. So I don't even know why that is the pet peeve. It's like, you're gonna let five minutes like
0: irritate you? That's ruin in your day. Hmm. Let me ask you this, do you have a Live Church sticker on the back of your car?
1: Girl, I am so glad you asked that. And let me tell you why I don't. <laughs> Because there are times where, like I said, the speed limit is just the minimum. Oh, this is glorious. If that's glorious. my perspective, <laughs> and I don't want that to be a poor representation of a place that I genuinely love. So I'm more comfortable wearing the gear right. out in public, albeit a hat or whatever, and, and right. actually represent it in the, in the way in which I like make eye contact with strangers than... To show them this, like I guess Jekyll and Hyde in me. You're self aware. I like it. <laughs> I guess that's what it is. <laughs> at least in that in that area, I guess I would be.
0: <laughs> so yeah, that's Jess. Okay, and then you also have a job that I don't think you touched on.
1: Oh right, yes. Um, so I uh, work at my church. Um, I've been on staff at Life Church. Out here in Oklahoma City, uh, it'll be ten years next week. I cannot wow. believe it. I, I'd say I probably could um, give you more reasons why I shouldn't be here, <laughs> because it's a it's a real gift, and um, I, my church has been very gracious with me to allow for me to be part of it for so many years. Um, but uh, yeah, I work at Life Church, but specifically on our outward facing digital ministry, which is our Uversion Bible app. It's a free app available um, wherever you download your apps from. We have uh, over 320 million devices installed. It's so amazing. 1,700 translations of the Bible in over 1,200 languages. It's it's seriously a dream every single day to come to the office and to be a part of something so special that ministers to so many. I love it. Yeah.
0: Well, Real quick, I just want to touch on that. You know, the Bible is actually an ancient and what we believe to be a God-inspired document, but it was first recorded in different letters on scrolls, then collected into one book, translated into these different languages. And now, um, like you're talking about, the Bible is an app, and it's right there in people's pockets all over the world, including my own, um, which is just life-changing even for me. And so even just the fact that we get to be alive during this time in history and not only that but to participate in what God's doing just to spread the word at an even more rapid rate than before is so right. humbling and exciting don't you think
1: oh 100% i can't believe it i can't believe that there are people all over the world that are opening the same app that i do every morning to read the powerful or listen to yeah the powerful message of god's love using the same medium. Right. That's free, the same free medium. Right, like full, complete access to God's Word. And I think that's really encouraging. And it it puts in perspective to me, um, like, the lens in which I can see Scripture in my own life, to know that there Mm -hmm. are people that reading it digitally is the only safe way that they can. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are people in this world that having a physical bible could cost their lives absolutely happens every day every day and to know that our church is able to uh, equip those people with access to the bible that they can learn and use and be encouraged by while also doing it in a way that can protect them so it's really neat to be a part of something that is helping people all over the world Engage in the powerful message of God's word and that anybody anywhere can get into God's word at any time. And that's awesome. Ah, oh, it really is.
0: All right, Jess. So you're a working mama, two young boys at home that you're raising into men. You're a wife to a husband who's also on staff at Life Church. You're involved in your community and with friends and family and probably a million other things. So how do you
1: stay on top of your priorities? I'd say one of the major things is energy management. It's not always about time, although we do have to be good stewards of our time. It really matters when we learn what gives us energy and what takes it away. And we need to learn what natural things that produce energy in all of us, and obviously what natural things Rob us of it. And so, um, what I've had to learn is, uh, exercise, um, in the morning for me is a way to actually give me energy. That sounds funny because I'm exerting so much energy in a workout, but I feel accomplished, which mentally stimulates me. It gets my mind going. It stretches my, um, my capacity physically and mentally. And so that has brought me a lot of energy. I got some of my like my levels tested and realized that my iron was kind of low. So I went to a medical professional to find out if there was any deficiencies in my nutrients and I realized that there were certain nutrients that my body just wasn't producing naturally and so because I started taking nutrients it's like totally helped my energy levels. And so I also have learned that there are certain times of day that are more productive than others. And that's when I need to focus on my creativity. So the things that I do that are going to require a lot of brain power have to be done at a certain time of day, which means that the other times of the day, I can budget the other things that are more necessary. And I know that I need certain days of the week to be more focused from a work perspective on projects. And because I can budget my time the way that I want and I can schedule meetings when I want, I've actually blocked out certain days that I don't do external meetings. You know, there are obviously gonna be meetings that happen internally with teams and stuff, but I bulk lots of my extroverted responsibilities on certain days of the week so that I can focus on other more deep work tasks on other days. I think uh, also like the times of the week that I know I need to recharge. There are hours of time that I've blocked out that I don't do anything or I say no to more things in this part of my week because I know I need to recharge in that time. That's the time that works for our family. That's the time that works for me. That's the time that I need to, you know, prepare for my week. And so energy management matched with what my body is doing, what works for my working environment, what works for my family, and how I connect with God. So there's so many facets to all of that, and we could probably spend a lot of time on it. But I So it's definitely not balanced. It absolutely cannot be balanced. And every season looks different. What it looked like when my, you know, my newborn was 12 weeks old is nothing like what it looks like when I've got two toddlers, which is nothing like it'll look like in five years. And so you just have to read the season and figure out what brings you energy right now, what takes away your energy right now, how can you maximize one and minimize the other. Mm-hmm. Or work around the other thing that's robbing you of energy that's required in your life right now. Mm
0: -hmm. And you probably have to say no to certain things that you would love to do in order to kind of save that mental energy for your kids when you get home or for work, whatever it might be.
1: Yeah. So there are certain um, friend activities that I relatively don't do in a certain window of time on the weekends, as an example. I typically say uh, no to certain times of the week that projects are in place where, you know, people might want to go do something in that time during the workday. And it just, I know that transitionally, it'll take away energy later on in the afternoon if I did this now. And so i choose not to do things that other people can do because they can transition better from one task to another but because i know me and i know that maybe i'm less competent than somebody else i know i need less transition in my day so i'm not going to go grab coffee at two i know and so you got to read where your energy come from and where where it can be depleting um even if the depleting things are good mm. So, like, even with my phone, like I really love checking and seeing how everybody's doing on social media, but it it actually doesn't add my energy to my energy. It depletes my energy. So at home, when I transition back home, I
0: can make you lose focus. right,
1: it detaches me from the present, and so I have to put my phone somewhere else so that I can spend time with my kids, which sometimes robs me of energy, but it's a good thing. sometimes it adds energy to me, which is also a good thing. So,
0: yeah. Cool. I like it. That's good. Let's kind of move on into a piece of your story that you're going to share today. And as we all know, life is messy, but God is constantly at working the mess. And so if you would just kind of describe for us a time when life got pretty messy or difficult for you, but you still experienced God working through it.
1: If I were being totally honest, like way honest, I would say, yes, I had girlfriends, great friends, right? But my very best friend was food very best. I mean, it was the most dependable friend. (laughs) It gave me the best hugs. You know, every time I ate something that I really loved and I found myself pretty committed to that friendship and in a way that clearly wasn't honoring God. I saw it as a reliever for my stress. It brought me comfort and it was what I used as a reward. I realized I had a problem when I saw myself on video and did not recognize who I was. Hmm. I wouldn't say that I jumped off the deep end at any time, but I had this like very distinct paradigm shift that what I was seeing on camera didn't reflect the person I I was wanting to become. And Mm -hmm. it got a lot deeper than that when I realized that it was, what I was seeing was a reflection of some lies that I was believing about food. But in, in a very honest place, I realized this particular area of my life was slowing me down from what God's best was and it really being able to identify that has changed so much of the way that I think about food and believe about what God's capable of doing in me Um, so at the time when I saw myself on video it was probably 50 pounds heavier than what I would have really wanted to weigh now at that point I had already lost about 30 pounds in baby weight but that baby came several months before (laughs) i saw this video (laughs) do you know what i mean like there was a window of time where it was like acceptable to not be back at your baby weight you know i was getting to a point where like maybe you should start really focusing on this girlfriend so um So total in uh, about a year, I lost uh, 80 pounds. Wow. And obviously some of that was the baby weight and some of that was really seeking God to bring healing to the lives that I was believing in this area, in addition to like really implementing some pretty practical things. And what I've realized is that it's a thing that like always has to be in my life, But how I view it had to change so that, number one, I can glorify God with this area of my life. Number two, it really impacted my energy because I was drawn to food that wasn't good for me. And, you know, my weak spot for some might be, you know, like sweets, like chocolate on chocolate. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, it was like, just give me a soft pretzel with some nacho cheese, oh my gosh, I will exfoliate all day in queso, <laughs> right? Like I just loved a good savory, <laughs> savory comfort. Sweet is my thing for oh, sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel you. I get it. So a lot of times I think people assume that you have to hit an extreme to get to a, a bad place. But I think anything apart from God's best is a bad place. So thankfully the Lord didn't let me get so off kilter that I I was almost past, you know, the point of no return. But I I went through a health journey where in a in a relatively short period of time I lost about 80 pounds. I'd rather look the way that I feel than to overcompensate how I feel because of how I look. And it's not about how I look, right? Like that's that's just a byproduct of going to the Lord and asking him to clear these lies out in my heart. But, yeah, so so I recognized that um, in this season that food was a reward. It relieved my stress and it brought me comfort. I realized that I was using food in a way that God really would prefer me using him, his word, his truth, that when I think about what I deserve, I deserve death. I've literally chosen a surrendered life to Jesus, which means – that my choices need to be in alignment with his if I want his best. And in this way, I had to recognize that like what he wants me to deserve is his best, which means that I can deserve a really healthy meal that brings energy to me. I can actually change what that end goal is. So my reward is a healthy life. That's my reward. My comfort comes from him, which means that food doesn't have to weigh, it doesn't have to have that sort of responsibility. And my stress is actually diminished when I'm fueling my body with things that are regulating, recalibrating, right? That's restoring my energy. Mm -hmm. And so- So you kind of counteract that vicious cycle. That's right. Like I was able to see that like the opposite in all of those things can Result in God's best for me. For me, and I, I want to be clear that, like, mm-hmm. not everybody can, you know, relate to food. I think we can all relate to having unhealthy things in our lives mm-hmm.
0: that pull us away from that. 1 Corinthians 6 is talking about how our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So that's not just sexual sin, which is what it's talking about in that particular case, but it's also anything mm-hmm. that is unhealthy for us. Our body is a temple of Him. He, If we are a believer, He lives inside of us, and so we need to honor God with our body. But I know that it is common for us as people to eat more or eat unhealthier options when we're stressed or anxious. Right. So maybe if someone doesn't have a you know glaring red flag on this issue of food, we all still can struggle with it to an extent. And that's right. why we call them comfort foods, right? That's right? You named it chocolate, sweet and salty. For some people, it might be alcohol. For some people, it's a big old burger or just everyone has different things in their life yeah. that um, we can turn to yeah. instead of turning to God to be our comfort. And right. I know for us and our family, one thing as we're raising kids, mm-hmm. one thing we've decided is to not to use the words skinny or fat, but to use the word healthy. Our goal is to be healthy. And, you know, I think that that's a, that makes a really big difference. So this food is healthy. This dessert isn't healthy. And so we can have it occasionally and it's a great celebration, but it's not our everyday go-to.
1: Wow. That's so
0: powerful and very
1: true. for For us to to define our health not by how we look, but about what it's doing to our bodies and what it, you know, obviously does to our brain. Right. I think is a great direction to go. Now, did you ever struggle with an eating disorder? I would say there was a time that um, I recognized some of these lies um, a long time ago. Didn't really address them healthily, and so. I wouldn't say I got to an eating disorder, but I'd say that there was a time where I swung the pendulum in the unhealthy opposite side. So we're talking about people, you know, mm-hmm. eating to bring comfort. Well, there, I remember distinctly there being times where comfort was starvation because I felt control. Yes. It was just a control thing. So, so I wouldn't say that I, that I could clearly just say this is an eating disorder. But I can see tendencies yeah. towards that manifesting itself in different ways, in different seasons, depending on how mm-hmm. I was interpreting the lie I was getting and the lie I was receiving
0: right. from
1: the enemy. Because every time, every time I would hear and, and receive the truth that I would you know see in God's word and receive in prayer – it resulted in the exact same outcome consistently that I was going to bed with a tummy filled with really good things and fully hydrated. And so, so yeah, so to me, I think I learned this recently, but the, but the enemy always condemns in generalities, but the spirit consistently convicts specifically. Hmm. So to me, I have gone through a day and the Lord has said very specifically to me, because it's something that I'm dialoguing with him about, this could be a better choice for you. Or I-, I believe that you overate in this meal. Like I really do feel like when I when I dialogue with the Lord about it, he's really faithful to show me the times where I've slipped in on a day. But he's not telling me, you're fat. So when I'm believing that mm. I'm fat or believing that um, I'm not beautiful or believe... Like, that is a general condemnation from the enemy. That's not from the Lord. Right. And
0: I think that's so good to make that distinction, that condemnation comes from our enemy and conviction, a loving conviction, because we're his kids, comes from our father. That's right.
1: And it's to bring intimacy, right? That's the goal. The goal is, if you can be honest about this thing, that's not my best for you it brings us closer together. Think about, I mean, it, and it's it, this is a practical thing with any relationship in our lives. When I confess and ask forgiveness to my husband, it immediately reconnects us closer. It gets us closer. Right. Um, when somebody asks forgiveness of me, it brings us closer. It shows me that we can be vulnerable again. Or you know what I mean? So to me, I think if I surrender this area of my life to the Lord, that he will show me very specifically the ways that I can get better. And I can reject any general judgments because they're not from him.
0: Well, I really just honor you for even bringing this to light because I think a lot of people will talk about health and fitness and nutrition and different things, but not Everyone is willing to say, man, I really struggled with overeating or the opposite pendulum, like you mentioned, as far as maybe it's an eating disorder, maybe it's anorexia or, you know, whatever. I know when I cheered in college that I had a good friend that struggled with um, an eating disorder and, you know, both even though they're very different, they still have a lot of similarities and it's still um, going to that comfort, going to that control. And so thank you so much for bringing this to light. And what have you kind of learned through the process?
1: Yeah. I would say the biggest thing that I've learned is that food is, it just doesn't have to be my best friend. It just doesn't. And I've just learned that like food can be fuel and that's all it really needs to be. And at times we can use it to celebrate, but if at any point I I have this inclination to need it to do something for me that it wasn't intended, you know, the Lord is so quick to show me. And I can make, you know, choosing food not an emotional thing, but similar to like you know budgeting my money i've learned that i can budget my food too so i love that comparison it's so great and so such a great visual yes and it, it feels it feels more in control so there was a time where i was i was emotionally eating and i was eating just what i felt like eating that day and when i you know worked through some of these lies and started realizing practical things that i needed to implement i realized that i can tell my day what food i'm having and then look forward to that food. That's good. Instead of reacting to whatever my hunger pains are telling me that I deserve or that would relieve my stress or reward me. So, what I've done now is every day I have a pretty similar um, food routine. That's just something that has worked for me to just keep it my food in check. Um, And also not overthinking my food. So, I mean, for me, I'm not not tracking certain things that other people might that would be best for them. So for me, it always had to be very, very, very simple, simple choices that I knew I liked that gave me what I needed to recharge and not to spend too much time Mm -hmm. thinking, overthinking, and emotionally choosing. Right. So practically, do you meal plan? What are some
0: tips that you might have for somebody who is in a similar situation that wants to get out of it and
1: break some of those habits? Oh, good question. Okay, so um, I have found two or three things for breakfast that I really like, two or three things at lunch that I really like. And at dinner, I allow for that to be a collaborative time with my husband to pick what foods we both think would be best for us and our family. And if it falls a little bit outside of what's like super, super healthy, which generally we found a few healthy recipes that we both really like. Um, and I'd say there's probably about uh, 10 different like relatively healthy meals that we just kind of cycle in and out of that are easy. That's big for me. It has to be three easy breakfasts, three easy lunches, and, and you know, a few really easy dinners every week. But if it falls outside of that, then I just know that I need to check my portions. And so I get a smaller plate that I know will fill that I can mm-hmm. fill with the majority of the healthier things. And that's my portion. That's what I get.
0: That's good. A smaller plate's a good, good idea. Yeah.
1: And then and then I would also say that if I'm about to eat something that's like super not great, then I take a big old swig of water that like fills my tummy up enough that I'm yeah. not like, you know making out with a cupcake. I could do a better (laughs) job. I could do a better job of like portion controlling that. So those are some practical steps. Yeah. And
0: like you said, and and like it's true in so many areas of life, it's all about moderation.
1: Right. All about it. Oh, man. Again, I mean, if you think about it from, from a budgeting perspective, like we set aside some dollars every pay period for us to do with it what we want. And we call that blow money. And that could be the same thing for each person. And you have to decide what those are. And so I also have a trainer and my trainer has been really um, intentional to tell me like, what would be healthy and what wouldn't and how much to budget in a week for those splurges. Right. And so I don't I don't even want to say like what that is for me because it's different for everybody. But yeah, like I like
0: sugary coffee. And so it would be fine for me to have a sugary Starbucks drink every now and then as a treat. But once a day, three times a day, it would be incredibly unhealthy for my body. And yes. so I love, again, the comparison to the budget, that it's all about moderation and mm-hmm. budgeting mm-hmm. those calories.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's been so helpful. And I would say also, I think the, I think you know, like real deep down you've got that gut everybody has it and it's the holy spirit but it's it's that intuitive like this is a splurge for me somebody else's splurge might not look like your splurge you know what that splurge is and so i think if we were to make our decision making even on what other people think like this is okay for me you have to recognize like what is okay and not okay for you i think that's so major Honest. and it's fun to splurge yes. whenever you're
0: celebrating or whenever right. it's a special treat or a birthday or a party right. or a right. wedding
1: right. that's great yes yay party but i but i think the other thing is like when i'm when i'm feeding myself healthier food i'm craving healthier food when i'm feeding myself consistently things that aren't healthy i'm craving those unhealthy things and so i think it is similar to whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, whatever is excellent or worthy of praise, think on those things. When we fix our eyes, our attention on good things or bad things, it amplifies those good things or bad things. That same thing goes with our food. It's a good point. Right. Like if we, if we focus on the things that restore, uh, restore us in a good way, then we'll continue to want to restore ourselves in a good way.
0: Mm-hmm. And again, our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so as it goes with me, what can I control? That And we can't control everything, of course. There are outside things that come into our life, tragedies, maybe even a genetic issue. Or there's outside things that we can't control. But as far as it depends on me, what can I control? How God has planned it in his design for my body to flourish mm-hmm. so that my mind can flourish and I can flourish and my family can flourish.
1: That's right. So good. Yes. Yes
0: and amen, Jen. No, girl. It's you. <laughs> you you're you the one who brought it. <laughs> Well, Jess, that's really powerful, and I know that it's going to impact many people that are dealing with the same thing. Um, But even if someone can't relate exactly, you know, we all have things that we turn to for comfort, whether that's food, drink, shopping, whether it's, I mean, there's a billion things that um, Mm -hmm. we turn to. And really, we call it comfort or pleasures, but it's really idols that we can make. And we know that we're not supposed to have idols, anything um, above God that we put our trust and our comfort and our pleasure in. So really life changing. Thank you for sharing that. And I want to know, what is something right now that God has either taught you or He's teaching you in this moment?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I sat down with a gal uh, that I don't know very well that I asked to mentor me, which was so weird. Like, I've known her a total of 10 hours, but I call her my mentor, right? She and I met one day, and I just really sensed, like, I should know more about the, what the Lord has taught this lady. You know? She just totally inspired me. Mm. So in our first meeting, we were talking about humility, and she told me—I have to credit Barbie for this because it was so good— She said, you know, Jess, the Bible references humility over 70 times, and never once does it say, be humble. Every single time that it references humility, it says, humble yourself or themselves. Humble yourself. In fact, two days later, I read uh, three verses in Daniel, and that was referenced twice. Mm. Humble yourself. And what I've realized about humility is that it's not a state of mind. It's an active pursuit against our pride Mm. with a surrendered heart to the Lord. That's what that is. Humbling ourselves is active. It can happen at any time, in any moment. And we can also lose to it at any time, our pride, in any time and at any moment. And if we were to see ourselves not as the humbled one, but to see humility as a work in progress, a daily minute by minute, hour by hour commitment to surrendered heart action, Yes, then it's an equalizer for everybody, right? Even the people that we would define as humble still have to regularly, ongoingly humble themselves Mm. and can fall to their pride. And the same thing is true about anybody that's prideful that at any point in any moment, you can turn your heart towards the Lord and you can humble yourself. Isn't that so encouraging and challenging? Right. Both. Yes. Both. Such an encouragement to me that if I'm walking in the wrong way, it does not take but humbling myself to turn right back around towards Mm, Jesus. That's good. And at any point, I could fall absolutely prey to my pride. So I better watch out because the enemy wants to kill, steal, and and destroy me. And he wants to use my pride. But at any point, I can humble myself. Yeah, I love that. At any point right now, those of us who are
0: listening, we can, whatever's going on in our life right now, that we have the ability. He's given us that that choice, that ability to mm-hmm. humble ourselves, to come before Him and to say, God, you know what you're doing. <laughs> I, this is not about me. And to right. just seek Him, come before Him. That's a great reminder. Because I think sometimes we almost feel like, oh, well, first I have to take step one and two to get to step 50 and 100. But instead, we we can get there right now.
1: Right now, in this moment. In the sense of turning to him, yeah. Right. So I'm so encouraged by that. Like I said, I'm so encouraged by that. And I'm so encouraged that every opportunity that I humble myself gets me more into the habit of humbling myself. So the ones that we consider super humble, those people in our lives that you're like, you are anointed, you are so humble— each and every one of them have just developed this habit that's available to me to learn. And I'm like so committed to that right now, so committed to the Lord just showing me in every opportunity to humble myself. And continually humbling ourselves. That's right. Every day, every day, I have the opportunity to say that. I humble myself right now, Jesus. Right. Well,
0: Jess, we love to hear about resources. So do you have any great yeah. resources that you would just love and recommend? Maybe it's books, podcasts, reading plans, sermons, mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. it is, just something that you would love
1: to share with us. Yeah, thanks for asking that. Um, I i would say uh, there are so many different Bible plans. It's hard because I, I love them so much. I have a hard time saying like, this is the one. But I would say um, what I love about Bible Plans is that you can search for whatever interests you and find really, really great content. So I would recommend um, uh, a few. I listen to lots of books, lots of books. There are a few books that I would recommend that if you are an avid reader or like me have really bad comprehension problems (laughs) and need an alternative, these are some really good audiobooks. Um, Henry Cloud has a book. It's called Nine Things You Simply Must Do to Succeed at Love and Life. Henry Cloud, he's got some really awesome, awesome tips. Um, Another one is The Power of Moments, and that's written by Chip Heath. Derek, just read that book. Really? Oh, my gosh. It's really impacted every area of my life in how I perceive special, memorable moments with my kids, um, with people I interact with at work, how I serve at my church, it's really impacted um, so many areas of my life. And then the other one, and this is more work-based, and I'm i am doing it right now, and I love it, and it's called The Reality-Based Rules of the Workplace. And it teaches essentially that you are accountable for how you behave. That could be true for everybody, anybody, but this book has really inspired me to focus on what contribution I make to the environment I'm in, and how I get to choose what kind of attitude, what kind of energy, what kind of attention, enthusiasm, and what kind of solutions I bring. So those are probably the three biggest, the three biggest ones. And then um, I can't say enough that my pastor has the most incredible leadership podcast. True. Um, so Craig's leadership podcast is a is a necessary necessary lesson every single first Thursday of every month. And so, yeah, so those are the things, those are the places that I'm learning right now. So great. So good.
0: Well, do you have a final word of advice or encouragement that you just want to share with all of us listening? Yeah.
1: So life has a lot of trips and falls and and lots of wins, right? And I would just say, if I can encourage, if I could sit in front of every single listener with, their preferred drink and my venti iced coffee, <laughs> I would say, just keep trying. Just keep going. Keep going. There's more. There's more in you. There's more opportunity. There's more ways to grow. There's more ways to get better. Just keep going. You've got this. You've got this. And um, I'd say that to every new mom. I would say that to every businesswoman. I would say that to every 20 something girl that is longing for Mr. Wright. I would say that to literally to the women that have spoken into my life that have seen more seasons than I have. They've had more birthdays. Keep going. Mm. Thank you, Jess. Thanks for
0: sharing a piece of your heart with us and just for being you. I just appreciate who you are, not just what you do and thankful for you.
1: Thank you so much for letting me be a part of this.
0: Well, I just want to loop us back to the beginning when I asked, what is it for you? What's that thing that has more control over your life than you wish it did? Something you need to surrender, not because God's after control, but because He longs for you to flourish and walk in that freedom that started with Him sending His Son. Remember, God paid a high price for you, so don't be enslaved by the world. I just want to say a big thanks to Jess for sharing a piece of her story today and to you for joining us. If you haven't already, know that you can subscribe for free in iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. You can also join my email list at JenJewel.com and follow the Messy Table podcast on Instagram for extra encouragement and updates throughout the week. As always, feel free to share with your friends or on social media. And we encourage you to gather your people around your own messy tables this week and see what God might do.